first day of Christmas my true love gave to me A partridge in a pear tree On the second day of Christmas my true love gave to me Two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree Well, happy 12 days of Christmas, comrade Jason. Yeah, happy 12 days of Christmas to you, comrade Butler, comrade Tim. Why, thank you, and to everyone else, welcome and happy 12 days of Christmas to you. This is another edition of Zippy the Wonder Snail, and we are situated in the 12 days of Christmas, so I'll warn you ahead of time, I can't resist cracking out more of the Christmas music. It's just going to have to happen. Well, we're just going to have to suck it up then. That's all you can do, but we have lots of great things planned, and the first item we want to talk about today is the fact that here we are in a new year. It has been an entire calendar year since the last time we were together. Seems like it wasn't that long ago, but Yeah, we we switched our we switched our calendars. We're in 2022. We're excited. Uh I'm very excited, but I'm always excited to be with you all. And let's see what happens in this new year. You know, a thing that happens oftentimes Tim with a new year is people make resolutions. Do you have any? Um, I've resolved to listen to every single Zippy the Wonder Snail podcast. Wow, I don't even think I'm going to do that. You know, I figure I already have since we're listening to it right now as we record it. True enough, true enough. 100% success in my resolution. <laughs> I, like, I like that old joke from our buddy John Stewart. He said, I don't watch our show. I think it's crass. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least they. I hope they don't say that about our show. Yeah, well, we're in trouble if it, if it's crass because it's this is a Christian show. This is a family show. Absolutely. So is, there we go. You know, you know. Seriously, probably for the most part, I don't make a whole lot of resolutions. I do like to think this time of year about different Bible reading plans. How I might approach going into the Bible for the year. Um, it seems like. Even though it's somewhat arbitrary, it's a good time of year to say this is what I'd like to accomplish in the next year on that, to spend time in God's Word. So I'll I'll probably come up with something there. I, I don't have anything off the top of my head right now. Other than, of course, you and I and some of our friends are going to be going through the Psalms. But, but really, it's usually something like that. How about yourself? Any resolutions? Yeah, I think we can have strange resolutions in the secular society and oh, I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And a lot of times people fail and they beat up on themselves. But the other kind of resolution that we can have is that knowing that a God who loves us is always trying to draw us closer to him. And so the Holy Spirit especially will inspire us with an idea based in his word and based in his love for us that he wants us to do a particular thing. And if the Holy Spirit gives us a resolution, I feel like we should try to listen to that. So so I'm going to try as best I can, especially leading up to Epiphany, uh, to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if he gives me a resolution, then I'm going to try to do that as best I can. But I don't know what it would be right now. Yeah, it's always a good idea to listen to the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It is. And I, and I think, again, we've talked about this before, but in some ways... Uh, he's the forgotten person of the Trinity. And so maybe just a little bit, we could try to recover an awareness of him and his presence in our lives. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I, I'm with you on that. If, if God sort of feels like he's nudging me to do something different in the new year, uh, I'll try to pay attention to those things. I, I think 
the secular type resolutions that are so common, like you said, some of them get kind of weird and sort of half the joke is that people make all these resolutions and they go for what, two or three weeks. So generally what I've tried to do is resist that. And if I'm going to resolve to do something, I want to make sure it's something that I actually am going to do. Yeah. Because one of the, one of the great challenges in making a resolution is that we get really down on ourselves if we fail and this can happen in the Christian life too, where we we're like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get closer to God, and I'm gonna read my Bible every morning. And then if we fail, a lot of times we have a hard time getting back to getting back to an awareness of God's love for us. And so one of the things we want to do we want to dream big, but we also want to set achievable right. goals, uh, whether it be in prayer or in reading God's word. So I. I'm with you. I want to set achievable goals, uh, whether it's spiritual or something practical to do with life. But let's set achievable goals and then try not to get down on ourselves if we fail, because we're going to fail. That's the story of our our lives, just as people living in this fallen world. But if we can try and then if we can remember God's love for us, uh, we'll be better off. Yeah, one thing I've often recommended to people if they're thinking about a Bible reading resolution for the new year, and I've known people who have thought about that and then started reading the Bible daily because of a New Year's resolution, it becomes a an actual habit for them then. So it can be a great thing. But one thing I think that's really important is to, to one, like you said, make it achievable. Don't set a goal that you're not going to be able to do. And the other thing is, have built-in grace in it. I like Bible reading plans that can be forgiving if you miss a day. For me, when I've taken up a plan that you can't really miss a day, or at least I won't allow myself to miss a day, then then I find that I get further and further behind because something happened, I wasn't home at all, and I didn't get to do the reading. And I'm not a morning person, so I'm not going to be doing it in the morning. It's going to be an evening project. So then I get I get behind and then I, I I start feeling bad about it. And then I feel like every time I sit down, well, I need to catch all the way up. And so if I'm three days behind, I've been sick or whatever, then it feels even more daunting. And then you're tempted to say, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow because it's just impossible to catch up today. And suddenly you're not doing it at all. Where if you allow yourself some grace or, or let's say you do a plan that actually has dates on it and says, you know, on, on January 7th, you should be reading this. One thing you can do is just say, if I m- miss a day, that's okay. I'm I'm just going to plan. I'm going to read the same set of readings next year. So if I miss a day, I'll hit it next year. I'm going to go right to where I should be for today, so that I'm not feeling behind and I can just focus on what God's word says and not on my schedule. I have a funny one from my own life. I have this theologian friend that is going to do a long lecture series on the Jewish roots of Christ the mm. Messiah. So an exploration of the Old Testament and some other things, and just more of the Jewish background that forms, uh, you know, the background of the Old Testament that leads into the New Testament. And he was going to start his lecture series in September, and it's going to go for a couple years, so I still have a chance to jump in if I want to. But, you know, September came, and I was not ready. I had not signed up. I had not prepared my schedule for the Sundays when it was going to happen. And so I said, I I just felt so bad, but I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to jump in late. I'm not going to add another thing. I missed it. The ship has sailed. 
I, I was beating myself up pretty bad. And we don't need to do that. We don't need to beat ourselves up. But but it does kind of sting when you're like, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to do that. And then the moment comes and you miss it. And so then you, you have this, like, kind of this self-condemnation that comes. So, so let's try to, like you said, set achievable goals, have grace for ourselves, and, and try not to try not to get into that self-condemning uh, thing if we if we miss that's I really believe the best course we can take and we can do that in all kinds of things that we might do as you were saying I mean it, it's not only Bible reading anything that we do that we set a goal for really good things we can end up missing out on if we set goals and then just start beating ourselves up because that's that's not going to get anything done but we can encourage ourselves through all our goals and and whether we've set the goal or not by spending time in God's Word, uh, whether it's a reading plan or not. And that's what our first sponsor is here to help you do. Go to grow.faithtree.com. There are devotionals throughout the week, wonderful, encouraging messages from godly men and women around our area. You should check it out. And especially right now, because speaking of Bible reading plans, Jason, do you know anything about this uh, reading through the Psalms reading plan going on? Yeah, it's called Songs for Our Temple. Uh, and me and some pals, including you, Tim, are going to go through the book of Psalms uh, in this year. So we're, we're going to take a few at a time, and we're, and we're going to emphasize things that stick out to us as we're reading. And we're going to read it, hopefully, together with a community and just try to encourage each other from this particular part of God's Word, which formed the temple worship for the people of God in, in the past. So, and always knowing that each of the encouraging things that we find in the Psalms points back to Christ himself. So we're excited. We're excited for how God's going to use it and what the Holy Spirit is going to lay on our hearts each, each of the times as we do it. And we hope that it's a benefit to you, those of you who use Faith Tree Grow and uh, like to check out the stuff. Uh, from Faith Tree and from Little Hills and all that other stuff. So uh, check it out. It's going to be great. The Book of Psalms is always great. And we look forward to seeing you and even interacting with you. I'm excited. Jason, you have been just dying to share with our audience about your experience going to see the St. Louis Blues recently and just some of the stuff going on with our hockey team here in St. Louis. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty novice uh, hockey fan. I, I, I was excited when we won the Stanley World Stan, Stanley World Cup. Boy, see, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I just want to turn it into baseball so badly. But uh, I, I, I know that it's good when the blues win and the other team loses and stuff like that. So why don't you help us understand what's going on with the blues and what's exciting? Yeah. Well, I had, I had a chance to go on December the 9th of the year that we just had. Uh, we played Detroit and it was a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it was a great game. We won six to two and a bunch of these fill in guys for the blues that are filling in. Cause all these injuries due to COVID and other things came up and they did great. Nathan Walker from Australia scored a hat trick that night. That 
the third string goalie Charlie Lindgren pulled out a win that night, and it was great fun. I mean, I was I was fully fully vaccinated, and we were all covered, and so it's a bit anxious being in a big crowd like that. But it was so much fun, uh, just and it and it was packed. I mean, the the pandemic. You know, we we should be cautious in a lot of places, but everybody everybody had to test negative and and prove that they were vaccinated. Um, so we had a really good time, and we just enjoyed ourselves, me and two friends. And the Blues, ever since they won the Cup in 2018-2019, that season, um, they are really, really good. So they have taken multiple steps forward. They're really, really good. They are a serious threat to win the Cup with this current core group of guys. Injuries aside, uh, they're an amazing team. I would say top five, top ten of the entire league uh, as a threat to win it all. Uh, it's very exciting. And what I wanted to do uh, was talk about we just had a game uh, prior to this recording. Uh, the Blues won last night over the Edmonton Oilers 4-2. Um, to two. Uh, and uh, it was almost it was almost a flawless game um, because the Oilers are led by Connor McDavid, who I've said off the air he's like a Wayne Gretzky clone. Wayne Gretzky being the greatest player of all time. Uh, Connor McDavid um, and also his buddy Leon Dreisaitl from Cologne, Germany, and these two guys have 49 points in 29 games. So that means, and if you're scoring one point per game, that's an elite all-star level. So these guys are flirting with, flirting with two points per game, and there's two of them on one team. So, that's so amazing. Yeah, Dreisaitl got his point because he scored a goal, and then Connor McDavid had an assist. But other than that, and it's hard to slow those guys down, the Blues played a perfect game. They won. It was wonderful. A bunch of young guys that uh, hadn't gotten to play very much got in there and they made their mark. Some guys got healthy and came back. Um, just a flawless game. And I want to contextualize these big stars um, in relation to the greatest player of all time, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, um, if 100 points is a successful elite all-star season for a forward in terms of scoring points. There was a five-year period in the mid-80s where Wayne Gretzky averaged 200 points in an 82-game season. So this man, if you took away all 894 goals, that is the all-time lead in goals, if you took all those away, Wayne Gretzky would still be the NHL's all-time points leader, if he had no goals. So he had 1,963 assists, and he only played in 1,400, roughly 1,400 games. So Wayne Gretzky is easily the greatest player of all time, and um, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid have more points Right now, then games played, so they're above a point per game, and they're on they're on the same team. 
So the Edmonton Oilers are a really good team. They just need a few more players around them to be a very scary team. Uh, cause, and these guys are young. Connor McDavid's 24, uh, and Leon Dreisaitl's 26. So good luck uh, is what I can say to that. And I did some digging around, you know. Uh, I looked at our buddy Bernie Federko that played from 1977 uh, to 1990, uh, mostly with the Blues, drafted by the Blues. Uh, Bernie Federko, who we know is an announcer now, but he scored 1,130 points in precisely 1,000 games. So he was more than a point per game, and he's a Hall of Famer. He was voted in in 2002. So there's a lot of great players, um, and even though the rules of hockey were changed uh, recently to um, first they slowed down the scoring in the mid-'90s, and then they, they realized they slowed it down too much, and so they opened it back up again. They changed the rules a little bit, um, the offside rules a little bit, so the ice was more open, um, and guys are starting to get back above that point-per-game threshold. And even and Gretzky was so incredible, going back to Wayne Gretzky for a moment, when he was 38 years old playing in his final season in the game of hockey, he scored 63 points in 70 games that season. So he flirted with a point per game at the age of 38. And, and then he was like, listen, guys, I'm tired, I'm done. But he's, he's still putting in a point per game. Pretty much. that That's absolutely incredible. So to know that some of these great players that we have in our game today are um, flirting with levels that are known by legends, you know, whether it be Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky or Brett Hull or even our own Al McInnes and Bernie Frederico, uh, it's just a very exciting time to be a hockey fan. And if you've never seen hockey in person – that is something that you ought to do uh, because it's such a joy to see these guys go 200 feet in about three seconds, which is really what the skaters do when they really get going. Uh, it's a little bit hard to see, hard to follow with your eyes, just ordinary people following, but it's so fun to see in person. And TV doesn't compare. That's the other thing I'll say is you can say what you want, but TV does not compare to seeing it in person. Hopefully we can do that safely. We're going to talk about uh, COVID again coming up in a segment here, but hopefully we can do that safely and everybody's protected and safe. But uh, what a wonderful game of hockey and hope you can check out a live game at some point. Yeah, I, I really need to do that. I have to admit, and this sort of makes me a failure as a St. Louis, and I have not ever been to a live hockey game. I, I, I know you, you basically wanted to just quit ever podcasting with me after you heard that, right? You don't even know me. I, I am absolutely appalled. Yeah, I, I, I need to do some serious penance and, and go to go to a few games. Indeed. When I, was, when I was 16, matter of fact, Wayne Gretzky played for the St. Louis Blues. And I saw a playoff game there in 96 with Gretzky. And when Gretzky jumps on the ice, even now he's 61 years old. But I swear if he put on his skates, then ever, there would be a buzz in the arena, even as a very old guy. Uh, so 
what a privilege to see the greatest player of all time and playing for your hometown team. Uh, I'll never forget it, and I still appreciate it. As you did allude in the last segment, we are going to talk a bit about COVID, and I don't think we were even necessarily thinking about this when we lined up our schedule, but it's kind of funny going from talking about being at a live event to what's going on with this virus. Uh, that wasn't intentional. Uh, but certainly it does bring up a lot of questions about what's safe. Should you be going to live events? What does it look like? What, what does it look like going down the road? All kinds of things that we're wondering right now, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a fast-changing situation. When you think about that, we often talk about these diseases that have been around for decades or centuries, and we have all this data, we have all these medicines, we're, we're used to being able to handle this. And now we're talking about this Omicron thing, which feels like it's been around for a while because it's been dominating the news, but seems to have originated in November, so less than two months ago. And, and since then has whipped around the world, is now the majority of cases here in the United States, and it, it it's it's... A little disconcerting, I was showing you some of the charts before the show. Some of this stuff is, is really, really worrisome about where we're going to be over the next few weeks. I really appreciate what you said right before we went on the air, because the the problem is not necessarily the cases or even the hospitalizations of those who come down with the illness. It's how treating the illness has an impact on the treatment of other diseases and conditions because if our hospitals get overwhelmed you could have something minor and something minor could become major because the healthcare workers are overwhelmed they're swamped with treating those who have covid so that's we're we're back in a scenario i was thinking about this right before we started we're back in a scenario where we need to think about flattening the curve again um and doing what we can do um to not come down with this illness so that there's still healthcare workers and time and space to, to deal with all the health challenges that come up among people. So um, you showed me the graphs and the sharpest increase in the graphs again is among the unvaccinated. So I would encourage people if they're still on the fence about the vaccine um, and they're worried about side effects Talk to your healthcare professional. Try to get as good information as you can and make the decision, please, if at all possible, to get the vaccine so we can get through this. So we're not overwhelmed by um, everything together, not just COVID, but all the things that human beings suffer with from an illness perspective, illness and injury, that kind of thing. So, right. It's a whole like ripple effect of, of implications. And you, you bring up something interesting with the side effects on the vaccine. And you and I were talking about another concern, and it's one that's true of every variant of COVID. But there's this thing, post-COVID syndrome or long COVID, whatever you want to call it, this, this ongoing set of symptoms that many people experience after being infected. And even many of the quote-unquote mild cases include long COVID symptoms, which is, I think they're defining it now as anything that lasts beyond a month. Just a couple weeks ago, a study came out. They did brain scans on people experiencing long COVID symptoms, and you could actually see damage in the brain like you might with a stroke victim, for example. 
we don't even know necessarily what all the side effects long-term are with COVID. And so one thing I always want to say when people say, well, I don't know what the side effects are going to be if I get the vaccine. Fair enough. I mean, we, we have a pretty good sense because we have a long history of vaccines and the, the stuff that we're doing with the vaccines isn't really likely to cause anything that's out of the norm of what we understand vaccines can do. But what we do know is that COVID can have very serious side effects and is leaving indicators in the people struggling with those side effects that is going to be there for the long term. And that's sort of the untold story of part of this is there people have been shouting, well, Omicron is going to be milder. That's somewhat debatable. We're still trying to figure out exactly how much milder is milder and so on. Um, because this is moving quickly. This is stuff that's happening right now about a, a virus that's only been around in its current form for a couple of months. But what we do know is that there are these symptoms and there's every reason to believe they're going to last for a long time. And so even if it's milder and and hospitalizations were to go down, which is not the case right now, hospitalizations are spiking, but even if it were, there are going to be an awful lot of people. I personally know people who weren't hospitalized, but are still are suffering long-term symptoms that affect their ability to work and to enjoy their lives. And so it may be the sort of story, I hope it isn't, but maybe the sort of story we saw with polio, where even if you recover months, years, decades down the road, you're going to have another flare-up of symptoms from it. So, so when people are worried about side effects, you need to make sure to be thinking about those sorts of side effects too. Okay, let's even grant side effects with, with the vaccines. And for being one of the most widely distributed medicines in human history now, I mean, we, we've just deployed these vaccines around the world. They look really pretty safe compared to a lot of things we stick in our body. But even if there were something, we also know there are long-term side effects with COVID, uh, really worrisome ones. So, so people need to keep that in mind. That's right. Like one of our old professors used to say, define your terms. So we can say, okay, uh, Omicron might be milder with respect to a, a fairly sudden death. So it may be causing less direct fatalities than the previous variants will see. But even so, like you said, with symptoms of long COVID, because with long COVID, then you're talking about chronic illness. We need to use that word because chronic illness is chronic. It lingers. You live with it. You endure it. And it changes how you live. So the best case scenario is to not get COVID at all. Right. Not get COVID at all and not experience any symptoms whether they be quick or long-lasting or whatever, again, milder with respect to death is one thing, but with respect to all the other things that we may be challenged with could be another thing. And I'll say this in terms of the vaccines, I'm not going to soft-pedal the side effects because I had terrible side effects with my second dose of Pfizer and the Pfizer booster. Uh, With the Pfizer booster, as I told you, personally off the air at some point, I almost called the ambulance because I was struggling. I, I was in a lot of pain. I, I was seized up. My muscles were seized up and I, I couldn't stretch out again, almost like a fetal position, but caused by muscle constriction. And I just said, all right, I need to hold on because I, I have a hospital bed. Uh, the listeners may know this. I have a disability anyway. So I have a hospital bed. So I thought, I'm going to hold on to my railing and see if I can ride this out. It was horrible tremors and pain and just terrible, terrible chills. 
is it worth it? Yeah, we'll see. Because as long as I don't get COVID, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that for a day or a day and a half of unpleasantness over being sick and possibly dying or staying sick and having to endure those ongoing symptoms. So I know that we both have dear friends that are dealing with long COVID um, and it breaks my heart. Um, yes. e- even to know that they they made the best choices that they could make and they're still dealing with long COVID, that hurts too because it's, it's unavoidable. It's just... Um, it's just a cross that you have to bear and our, our friends and neighbors have to bear it. So let's do what we can to help each other out and help out ourselves. And then know still that this, this cursed disease still may cause us trouble that we can't get away from. And that's, that's the nature of living in this world that we live in. And, uh, but let's do the best we can and, and hope for the best. Yeah. So that kind of brings us, we're kind of going in reverse direction. It might seem today on, on this topic, but it kind of brings us to the current guidelines and some of the things going around last week, the CDC changed its guidelines and, and I'll, I'll confess, Jason, you know, this from off the air, I'm a little concerned about it because if you look at some of those charts we were going over, it would appear in a, a vaccinated person that one's contagiousness would seem to be reduced somewhere at like five and a half, six days, we think, although we're really not even sure what Omicron does yet. And so they're trying to make changes on the fly, and we don't even know what the, the current mutation does yet, other than that it's more contagious than past ones. But particularly if you're unvaccinated, we know that you can easily go seven, eight, 10, 15 days and still be spreading the virus. Yeah, that's right. So where it starts, I think, is that all of us need to do our part in finding ways to lessen the likelihood, if we happen to get it, that we've spread it to a long chain of people. And and that can be using high-quality masks. Um, Cloth masks worked when it wasn't nearly as concentrated with the early versions, but it certainly looks like we're moving more towards where where you need a, a surgical mask or an N95 mask or something along those lines. Because the thing that we saw with Delta and now even more with Omicron is that the amount of virus a person uh, exhales and, and, and spits out and so on is so much higher that if you're looking at masking and these different things as, as mitigation strategies, trying to reduce the amount that you put out, the amount that's going out is so much worse. It's like the difference between turning on a garden hose and a fire hose. And you have to handle a fire hose differently than you do a garden hose. Personally, one thing that I'm advocating for is that people pay attention to what the United Kingdom's doing. They have a very common sense, I think, plan, if you do happen to test positive, that you take at least two rapid tests after a period of time before you go back out into to society, if at all possible. Because if you, while rapid tests are not foolproof, they, they fail a fair amount of the time. If you take several of them and you've waited a period of days that can help. And, and so then even if you are the person with the very mild symptoms, you don't want to be the person who then gives that to an aunt or an uncle or a dear friend who maybe has quote unquote mild symptoms, but ends up with post COVID syndrome. Right. And I know that before we went on the air, uh, we were talking about how we have a little bit of a disagreement on the changing of the guideline uh, because I have some more expert friends who are saying, they think the five days is fine. But one thing that will open up the government to criticism is the fact that Dr. Walensky over at the CDC 
admitted that they reduced uh, the isolation period to five days because they felt that people were not obeying the 10-day period. But like you've said on Twitter, if you tell people they only have to stay isolated for five days, a lot of people are just going to do three days or zero days or, you know, they're going to do less than what you recommend. So maybe we should stick with 10 days and hope people obey it and hope people at least get close to obeying it and then cause less of a problem because when five days become zero days, then we're just spreading it all over the place. Um, right. Because we're, we're sick of mitigating mitigation strategies and, and sick of isolating and sick of this and sick of that. Um, so I appreciate your concern on that. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, I don't, I don't think they should change the guidelines based on expected behavior, but I think they should give us choices for, okay, this is the most ideal. If you're not going to make this choice, why don't you make this choice instead and give us multiple strategies to mitigate the spread, which would be more helpful. A lot, a lot of the messaging, you're a pastor, so you don't express a lot of strong political opinions. But since I'm not a pastor, I can express any opinion that I want. Um, a lot of the messaging from the government has not been good uh, since the beginning of this pandemic. And they have to understand that ordinary people are only going to pick up the high points of whatever you put out. So if you say, okay, if you're not showing symptoms, you only have to isolate for five days, they might catch the five days and not catch the not showing symptoms part or, you know, something else they might say and people might catch only part of it and only do part of it. And that causes problems. Some of the messaging has been confusing. It hasn't been clear. It hasn't been to the point. It hasn't been achievable. We were talking about setting achievable goals earlier. Um, and and that's a problem. And they're going to have to keep wrestling with that and try to do better. Yeah, I, I, I think that's such a good point. And, um, you know, one of those things that people have hit the high points and missed is that the second five days with the new policies, you're supposed to mask. But a lot of the media reports have only picked up on you only need to isolate for five days. And so I think we're going to see a lot of people who test positive, maybe even have symptoms. And after five days, if they're feeling up to being out or going to go out without a mask, thinking, well, I've been given the I've been given the OK by the CDC. And that creates all kinds of problems with like small businesses, churches, anyone that's trying to, to take care of people coming in and out of their doors, trying to possibly be stricter than the CDC, and then people saying, well, don't you believe the CDC? And it's, well, the CDC is outright admitted they're, they're making decisions not based on maybe the very best scientific data, but the fact that they realize people aren't willing to do the very best practices. And so um, at least being more candid about that would help so that when people want to disagree with that, it's sort of, well, I'm being more careful because I want to do best practices. Right, and I will tell the listeners that even now, as a fully boosted person, vaccinated and boosted, um, I still wear a mask in public all the time. So when I go to church, I'm wearing a mask. When I am in a crowd of people, I wear a mask. Um, I don't even necessarily need to wear a mask when I'm outside, um, but I have one with me um, even when I'm outside. So I agree with you more than I disagree, which is weird. 
uh, again, but uh, we always somehow get there, which maybe is one of my favorite things about Zippy. It reminds people, even if we don't have exactly the same opinions on things, when we talk about it and and think about what's reasonable, uh, we can come to an awful lot of agreement. I, I know that as much as we like to poke fun at each other, we certainly get there. Yep, still love that. in St. Louis at least and probably most of the places our listeners are hailing from we're right in the middle of winter and often our biggest snowfalls and and ice storms and all that sort of stuff comes about now and so you may be wondering what's it going to look like if I want to go and and hop on my one horse open sleigh is it going to actually work today is there anything to be sl- uh, sledding on all these sorts of important questions throughout the winter and Can I get to work or will my car become a sled as I skate down the highway? These are things you want to know and you can find out for free without advertising and with a little scriptural message to help add to that New Year's resolution to read the scriptures. All at faithtree.com weather every single day, wherever you are in the world. So check out faithtree.com weather. have a scriptural moment, a moment of scriptural encouragement here on Zippy, and since we're going to have Epiphany, uh, we thought we could go to Matthew 2 and talk about the wise men who came to see Jesus. They came from a far country, um, and they saw the Lord. They were led by a star and led to the manger and the stable where the Holy Family was, and they saw the child born King of the Jews. And they they worshipped him and they brought him gifts. And and again, what's really interesting about these particular people, these wise men, is that they were from the East. They were not Jews. And given some of the practices in the area by those people, they were not even what we would call um, ordinarily observant religious people. We might even refer to them as pagans, depending on how we're using that term. And even even syncretists, even those who mix a lot of different observances together. But they they saw the star and they heard about the child and they came to give him adoration. And one of the things that's encouraging about that is that even if we're coming from a pretty checkered past uh, and even where we have a lot of error in the things that we've thought and believed about God, that even the smallest move in the right direction can lead us all the way to Jesus and all the way to the true faith. So if if your life is checkered, if you've messed up some things, if you've had some wrong ideas, uh, it doesn't mean that God can't reach you. And it, it doesn't mean that the baby in the manger can't reach you. And then the other thing Amen. about these wise men is that after they saw the Lord, they spread the message of him the child that they worshipped, the king of the Jews and the king of the world, they spread that message everywhere. And it was just like in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus is telling the apostles about the kingdom, and Peter says, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus says about those things, um, you don't need to know right now. Basically, that's the Jason translation. But... 
you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So these magi went to the ends of the earth, basically in their own way, preaching Jesus to those that they encountered after they left the manger, left the Lord, and went back to their country. And again, even in Matthew 2, going back there, um, they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, because we remember that Herod was going to kill all the children in Bethlehem under two years old, looking for Jesus, because he saw him, and rightly so, right, rightly so, saw him as a threat to his own authority. So they went another way, um, didn't go back to Herod. That was their original message. Uh, their original mission was to bring a message back to Herod as to where the child was. And good thing they didn't, uh, because our Lord had to stick around for a while and then die on the cross for us and rise again. Um, and they, they, in their own way, they were protected from Herod's evil, and our Lord was protected from Herod's evil uh, by what they did and by their fleeing into Egypt. So there's a lot of different stuff, but uh, the, the, the love of the Magi that drew them all the way to the star and to the manger is the same love that sends us out with the message of Jesus to the whole world. And that's something that we can go with from the Christmas season into the rest of the year. And so let's do that, knowing those of us who have met Jesus and have given our lives to him, uh, knowing that we can count on that word that has been given to us, shining through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I love what you say about these these men, that they're, they're not what we would count as the great religious people of the time, people that we turn to for insight if we saw them today, if they were their equivalents today. And so it certainly, um, it it does seem to remind us that if we're in that boat and we're thinking, I have nothing to offer God, um, God cares about you too. God cares about me too. And and so he he calls these wise men from the East and lets them be a part of the story of the of his coming into the world so it's so amazing i think that's also um it can be convicting because it's really easy as a human being to come to conclusions about other people and whether that person or this person has any any opportunity and what we really need to ask is is the holy spirit speaking to someone is he guiding someone are they willing to to hear what the word of the lord and the things that we see about these wise men is the answer to those questions is yes they they clearly had studied the prophecies they understood that there was a significance to this star and so and so on the one hand they're they're willing to to respond to the lord and then when they're told not to go and tell herod they're again willing to respond to what the lord's leading them to do and so we see a beautiful picture here, and it, it certainly does, I think, speak to wherever we are. That the the thing that is important is someone's willing to actually hear what God is saying, and, and it's not it's not whether that person has a a wonderful resume in life or they appear to be extra insightful or whatever. Um, it gives us hope, uh, each of us, that when we feel like we have nothing to offer, uh, God could be getting ready to set us up right in the middle of a story, probably. I think we can safely say there aren't going to be any more wise men being guided by a star to a newborn baby because Jesus has already come, but he has a a plan for each of us and a purpose for each of us in his world 
until the day that he comes again. And so we get to serve knowing that to him, whatever we happen to be doing is, is significant. And let me make one more connection along these lines. And it's our father Abraham, because he was he was dwelling in Ur of the Chaldees. He was basically out in the middle of nowhere, uh, nor was he a conventionally religious person that had his T's crossed and I's dotted. Um, but he heard the voice of the Lord, too, and he responded. So, again, there, no matter where you are, um, God, who loves you, is calling out to you. And, and he wants to make you part of the story. And part of that story is your redemption through the, the blood of Christ and faith in Christ. So what a wonderful gift that could be. It's the greatest gift that you could receive. We just came out of Christmas. We, we know about gifts, and that comes from the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus. But what a gift is Jesus himself, and also yeah. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So um, your life can be a gift. Our lives can be a gift. And no matter where we've gone and where we've been and how messed up things have been, our lives can still be a gift. As long as we're here, we have an opportunity to make our lives a gift and to receive the gift of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. That, that sounds like as close as I, I think we've gotten to a Zippy the Wonder Snail altar call there. Maybe someone's listening tonight and... If you are and you haven't ever known what it means to follow this king who is a newborn baby in Bethlehem, I sure hope that you make 2022 the year that you do. If you have questions about that, you'd like to be prayed for, um, you would like to be prayed for about anything, we have our our zippy at ofb.biz email address. You can email Jason and myself. We'd love to hear from you. Always love to hear from our, our listeners. And for a lot of us, we have stories of how God's called us from from metaphorical far countries. And if you have something, you, a, a fun story, a serious story, you could write it to us. We'd love to hear it. Or you could leave it in the comments on Open for Business or on social media. Always fun to get to share. It's always fun to, and amazing and wonderful to hear how God is working. And so we see it in Scripture, but we know He's still working today, and what a wonderful thing that is. Well, again, we've reached the end of our time, Tim. We have. It always goes too fast, uh, but this is only the first episode of Zippy the Wonder Snail for 2022, so we have so much ahead. We already have our agenda filling up for the next episode. We can't wait to share it with you. So, make this your resolution for 2022. If you have not yet subscribed to Zippy the Wonder Snail on your favorite podcasting app, go to the Apple Podcast Store, go to the Amazon Music Podcast Store, go on to Spotify and subscribe so you don't miss out on a single moment of two Christian guys zipping through the news and culture that matter to you. We can't wait to share this year with you. I'm always so glad to get to share this time with you, Jason. And it always goes by too quickly, but here we are, and we will see everyone in just a couple of weeks. Until then, have a wonderful and happy new year.